Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. You're very welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Morris O'Keefe, a principal of Irish Life and Lore. It's an organisation dedicated to the recording and archiving of oral history. And it's from this archive each week that I select a number of interviews to create a story from our past history. So to this week's podcast, Visitor's Book Kilmorna. It's a fascinating, interesting story about two colourful figures in our Irish history. Pierce Mahoney and Arthur Vickers. They once lived in this Irish country house in North Kerry and to tell this amazing story you will hear the voices of their descendants Kerry Pocock and Richard Page. Also historians Martin Moore and Thomas Dillon. The late Tony Dean who was the brother of a IRA member of the North Kerry Flying Column, and Conu Keefe, the present landowner and farmer at Kilmorna. And we'll start with historian Thomas Dillon, and we're on location in the townsland of Kilmorna with Pierce Mahoney's visitor's book. The house was originally known as Riversdale. And little wonder when you look out from where we are now and you can see the river field just flowing yes. not too far away from it. And uh, and then it was known as Kilmany House because th- this is the townland of Kilmany. Yeah, no, it was Kilmany House. Yeah, and then and then they changed it to Kilmorna House. Yeah, yeah, and the f- there were different families associated with it. There were guns. I think there were Raymonds at one stage as well. And then, of course, uh, the Mahennies were here. You had uh, Pierce Mahenny, who lived around the 1840s. He was a solicitor. He was involved with Daniel O'Connell in in um, in Dublin. Then you had his uh, and so his descendants. Then was Pierce Mahenny and George Mahenny. They lived here. Uh, George died in 1912, I think it was. Pierce Mahenny then was the man who was an MP in Meath, and it was him that uh, Charles Stuart Parnell and all the famous people in this visitor's book uh, came to visit. And he lived here, and of course a key, a key, a uh, whole key component of that was the fact that the railway between Limerick and Tralee passed through the estate. And when we, when we came in here earlier, we passed the entrance gate over the railway, and then you had the other entrance farther, farther to the west, which went under it, because there, there was an overbridge. Yeah. 
And Pierce Mahoney was he was a very well known agriculturalist, along with being an MP. But he, he was a very well uh, known throughout Ireland and Britain for his knowledge and his uh, experience and reputation with cattle. And he had herds of short-horn cattle here in Kilmorna, and he also had herds of Kerry cattle. And the Kerry cattle won numerous prizes at the Spring Show in Dublin for the R- the RDS Spring Show. Uh, they also won prizes at agricultural shows in London. And there was one famous occasion in eighteen in the eighteen eighties. They had an Irish exhibition in London, and they took uh, cattle from the herd here in Kilmorna. They took them across to London. It was held in Olympia, and you had Pierce Mahoney his cattle and he was there himself he represented Ireland at, at this big show and the Prince of Wales and uh, Gladstone and all these people visited the show and he, he gave a present of one of his Kerry cows to the Prime Minister's wife but then on another occasion then in the 1880s the Prince of Wales travelled through North Kerry from Killarney to Limerick and they passed along the, the railway through the stall and on through Kilmorna here and as the Royal Train was passing they had all Pierce Mahoney's Kerry cattle lined up with their bows and ribbons so that he could see them in the fields as he as he passed uh, wow. through Kilmorna. The great-great-grandniece of Pierce Mahoney, Kerry Pocock, describes here the remarkable involvement he had in charity work in Bulgaria. He's he's recognisable because of his big long white yes, beard. Yes, and yeah, and he was painted in a in a fresco in a monastery in um, in Bulgaria. Uh, the three um, pe- people, uh, three painted together: Saint Matthias, Saint Cyril, Saint Cyril, Saint Matthias, and Saint Patrick. And he was Saint Patrick. He was obviously the only Irishman around. So, but I think it was probably done because he gave money to the monastery. There's a whole book here which is which is devoted to this this unique this is man, my great grandfather, yes. yeah, Pierce Amani, who went to went to Bulgaria searching for um plants. He was very keen plantsman and um while he was out there there were a lot of orphans from one of the I think it was fighting with the um Turkey, the, the, but I know Bulgaria's had a, a very bloody history, and he um, he founded an orphanage, and for that he was given an honour by the by the um, the Duke of um, the Grand Duke of Bulgaria. Um, was it Grand Duke? Yes, I don't think it was yeah. the King, was it? Yeah. Um, Ferdinand or something or other, and. Uh, <laughs> um, this is a letter to the chairman of the Macedonian Relief Fund mentioned that she's taking charge of the Omani or- orphanage for two or three months to give the Omanis a rest, which they badly needed. The reference is, is to Mr. Pierce Mani, former member of parliament for North Beath, and his wife. The Omani orphanage referred to by Lady Thompson was found in Sofia by Mr. and Mrs. Omani with the orphans of Turkish misrule in Macedonia. It was in Mr. Omani's estate in North Kerry that Lord Kitchener was born, the father of the Indian commander-in-chief having been a tenant of Mr. Omani's father when the infant who had lived to make history was born a Kerryman. He went back there a lot. He went back there several times um, looking for uh, plants, which he he was very good at um, bringing them back and propagating them. 
Historian Thomas Dillon with Con O'Keefe, the farmer who now farms the land at Kilmorna. The house would have been the house would have faced south yes. and it would have faced the river. Yes. And that would have been of course to take in like all the houses of the gentry to take in all the woods and the river and the, the scenery and all this. And uh, there were I understand there were walks from the house down along the river. Yes, yeah. And one of the people who came to Kilmorna whose names are in the is are in the book here is a man called uh, Moore. And he was one of the leading horticulturalists in Ireland at the time. So it's interesting that when Pierce Mahoney was here and he had all these famous people calling to Kilmorna that someone like that came because he obviously would have had some kind of a hand in, in the gardens that were here in Kilmorna. There would have been yew trees and there would have been different types of exotic plants no doubt from all over. Do you remember rhododendrons here or any, any of that kind of stuff? See, that would have come from all over the world. Yes, yeah. is that yeah. so? Yeah, there would, yeah. And there were an awful lot of rhododendrons here. Harry Pocock reads here from some family papers explaining the family's inheritance at Grange Conning County, Wicklow. Also, her great-great-grandfather, also called Pierce, and his brother, setting up a law firm business in Dublin. That would be my great-great-grandfather, yeah. Yeah. Um, Inherited the house. Um, Yes, uh, he inherited Grange Con from his father on his death in 1853. That was my great-grandfather. Um, second son, David, never married, and he inherited Grange Con from his father on his death in 1853, who had inherited it from his brother, David, who died in 1845. Yeah, my great-great-grandfather was, and his brother... Um, built up a very successful firm of, of uh, solicitors in Dublin. He was Daniel da- uh, Pierce was Daniel O'Connell's private solicitor and also his political legal advisor, playing an important part alongside Daniel in the passing of Catholic emancipation in 1829. He defended Daniel when accused of sedition and. Uh, Though not at first successful in that Daniel was given a short term of imprisonment, he got him off on appeal. Um, find the letter. Oh, this is it. Here. From Pierce Marnie to David Marnie, um, 1829. My dear brother, you may suppose I am very happy at this moment. My political pursuit has been successful. The royal assent was given to the bill for the relief of the Roman Catholics of this great empire five minutes since. I heard it given. I thank God for this happy termination of this greatest of all questions, and I hope that the result may be what I have anticipated. My exertions in that sacred cause were sincere, in that they have been acknowledged as useful is a subject of just pride to me. I shall now devote myself to my private pursuits and adjure to politics. Oh, it's it's wonderful to have that letter, isn't it? Um, So he was really, and that's an illustration um, from the London News of uh, 1843, depicting the various solicitors engaged in the trial of of Daniel O'Connell. Kerry Pocock's brother, Richard Page, also remembers here a time when he met the ghost of Pierce Mahoney at the house at Grange Con. My great-grandfather lived in that house 
And he, my great-grandfather then moved, but he'd been living in that house for a long time, and it was, he was very much for a presence. He was a very tall man, and he wore the Irish chieftain's clothes, had a long white beard. His, his name was Pierce O'Marnie. And he... Anyway, I was there with my friend, and we were age six, and we were playing in this one of the long dark corridors, and this man came out of a room, just appeared, and we looked at him, and we were slightly, slightly frightened of him, so we popped into what was called a linen cupboard, big linen cupboard, and we peered out the door, and he walked up this passageway, and he just disappeared. And we then went and told my mother, I think we said, Mummy, Mummy, we've seen a very tall man with funny clothes on. And he did walked up the corridor and he disappeared. And my mother, not wanting to frighten us, said, oh, it was just the painter or something like that. And then about eight years later, she said, you described your great-grandfather absolutely perfectly. One of the signatures in the visitor's book is Charles Stuart Parnell, who was a regular visitor to Kilmorna. Historian Thomas Dillon. That's a whole side of our history, our, our, of Irish history, that's completely uh, not acknowledged because it was, under, it was through these people that the land acts were passed. And Ireland, in the mid-19th century, most of the land was owned by absentee landlords big, who lived in, in England. Yeah. And the people that lived on the land here and farmed us and, and improved us and put their money into us didn't own us. Yeah. And it was through Parnell and, and the Irish Parliamentary Party at that time that these land acts got through against great opposition in Westminster because the House of Lords, all these people could could just put a veto on whatever bills were, were being passed in the House of Commons, the elected people. so And the unelected lords were able to stop all this stuff. Yeah. So, Parnell, we, as Irish people, we owe a huge um, debt of gratitude to these people because the land of Ireland was owned by the people of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And again, it was done through peaceful means and probably there's a big question there again about what what do we consider as history? Because for a long time, it was only if it, if it involved a gun, it was history. 1916, War of Independence. But what about all the stuff that was done then through yeah. peaceful means? Daniel O'Connell is another example. The famous son of Kerry, the Liberator. He was never commemorated in his home county, not even by a street name. So you have the Ash Memorial Hall in Tralee, when that was the, that was built, the original count, the county hall, the where the county council met, that was burned down with the black and tens in 1920 during the siege of Tree, and then after everything was 1927, the Ash Memorial Hall was built. That became the the headquarters of the of the council, and there was a big meeting of the council members to decide who they would name the the hall after. And there was a, a big split because some of them wanted Thomas Ash, and more of them wanted Daniel O'Connell, and there was no there was nowhere in the county named after O'Connell at that time not even not even a street as I said and the, the, the chairman of the meeting had, had the, the casting vote so that it became the Ash Memorial Hall rather than the Daniel O'Connell Memorial Hall and there was no street name in Kerry named after Daniel O'Connell if you go to Ennis you have O'Connell Street you have Parnell Street there actually as well uh, and you have the statue of O'Connell there and in Limerick you have O'Connell Street his home county none 
and it was only in recent time there is an O'Connell Street in Carsevi now but that's not that name has not been in, in use uh, very long you do have O'Connell's Avenue as well in the stall, it should be mentioned. All those houses were built in the 19, I think late 1920s, 1930s, okay. and they were named after Daniel O'Connell. Again, that would have been around the centenary of Catholic emancipation. And again, what O'Connell did was all through peaceful means, the monster meetings, uh, that was how, how uh, he, he managed to push Catholic emancipation through, again, against great opposition in Westminster, did it all through peaceful, legitimate means, yeah. and... Um, through peaceful means and he should be remembered as well so again that's a huge link to Kilmorna that Parnell was was here Yates was here The amazing people visiting Kilmorna at the end of the 19th century included artists, writers, poets, politicians and all their signatures can be seen in this Kilmorna Visitors book When I researched some of the names Trying to find him now. Arthur Vickers Ulster, yeah. Yeah. Emily S. Stoker. Edith Dianas. You can see the names. And E.E. O'Farrell. There's W.B. Yeats. Yeah. 17th of December, 1893. W.B. Yeats. Florence Farrell, that was her name. Yeah, and Irene San Carlo. They came to Kilmorna the 11th of May, 1899. And the address they give is the Pioneer Club, 5 Grafton Street. Florence Farr, W.B. Yeats was famed for all the women that he had uh, associations with. Mm. And uh, he had lots of girlfriends and all this. Uh, and one of them that they could never make a link to, and she spent a lot of time with him, was Florence Farr. And she sang a lot of his songs. She was a music hall entertainer in London. And they lived in the same place as well, I understand. Nothing. And she was into all this uh, occult stuff. And she, she, um, it was true horror that he, he joined it as well. But no one could ever make any connection between the two of them. And they came to Kilmorna here together. And look, the signature, uh, one over You're the right, other. You're right, actually, yeah. In the same writing. Same, same writing. Same yes. pen. Yes. Same pen. So there you go. Yeah. So that's another reason why this visitor book is of great value great really. value and great yes. historical yes. significance yes. you know yes. when you think of all the famous people that came here and stood right. where and saw the same view we're, we see yes. amazing Dymphna Ellis and her address here is Kilkey and I'm nearly certain she came in the 24th, on the 21st of April 1890 I'm nearly certain she's the same Ellis family that lived in Abbey Field there was a house outside uh, before, which would have been close enough to here as well Glenishrown House my, off, my own family were somewhat connected with that and they reckon they were the same Ellis family that in one of them invented the game of rugby William Webb Ellis he was going to school in, in England and he picked yeah. up the ball and ran with it and that was how the game of rugby was invented so it seems they're the same the same family Ellis there was other names as well A lot of there were a lot of names actually from uh, politicians involved in Limerick so there was I think it's, is it Barrington and Gaffney, these were all people who were aldermen in the city of Limerick, and they were they were big Parnellites as well. MP, they would have supported Parnell when the split came, and uh, Pierce Mahoney as well was was a Parnellite, and it was mentioned at one stage that he might even lead the Irish Parliamentary Party in Westminster. And interesting as well among the names here as well, soon after Parnell's death, is his sister Emily Dickinson. And also, I'm trying to look for them, John Howard Parnell as well, Avondale, their, their names appear in the book here. And also, just a few days later, October 12th, 1893, uh, John Redmond, Belvedere Place, Dublin. So, And he was the, the leader, he, it was under his leadership that the, the, uh, the, the Parnellite split came to an end and the Irish Parliamentary Party reunited. So, 
Um, yeah, and what's very interesting as well here is I saw the name of William Casey, PP Abbeyfield, January 9th, 1889. Everyone who from the locality will be familiar with the statue of Father Casey in Abbeyfield. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and he came here. Mm-hmm. But it seems he he was against Parnell and he was trying to organise an anti-Parnell meeting when Parnell came to Lestole on his visit here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so Parnell would have come to Kilmorna on the train and he was met by... Um, he was met by uh, people and they travelled into Lestall and it was in the square in Lestall then that he addressed the crowd from one of the upper windows of the Lestall Arms Hotel and it was said that he that was one of his last speeches before he died and there was a famous quote that no man shall set the boundary to the march of a nation and it was said that he uttered those words in his speech in Lestall and very shortly after then uh, he died so Again, and that would have been around the time. Of his, that would have been the time of his visit here. And if, if, again, he would have been an MP then in the House of Commons in Westminster, supporting Parnell. And he had been here as well that May, actually. Charles Stuart Parnell, May twenty fourth. So he came here twice, at least twice, because yeah. it might have been the case as well that he came here, that he didn't. He didn't sign the book. So, yeah. um, and here uh, meeting in in, in after after Newcastle West. Yeah. 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 And again, the people that came with him that time then were Patrick Reardon Limerick, the mayor of Limerick, and Joseph P. Gaffney and Robert M. Russell Dublin. So all of these people, again, would have been connected with uh, his supporters and and there would have been politicians uh, in Limerick. And now we turn to Orchard Vickers and we look at his incredible life. He was a half-brother of Pierce Mahoney. And he lived in Kilmorna House until the IRA burnt it down in 1921 and shooting him dead. Historian Thomas Dillon describes first how he became the Ulster King of Arms and then he goes on to talk about what's left at Kilmorna with the now present landowner Con O'Keefe. Yeah, so he was very, he was famous. And then, of course, uh, he, he, he had a big interest in genealogy and if this was Sir Arthur Vickers his half-brother managed to trace the family's ancestry and they figured out that Pierce was the eldest surviving heir of the whole the, the whole Mahoney clan so he kind of assumed the title for himself then of Dio Mahoney and he would have worn kilts and he had a, there's a fantastic photograph of him wearing a kilt and, and uh, having a, with a wolf hound and all this and that was his title and it and it was true that work that's what I understand that was how Sir Arthur Vickers got into genealogy and he eventually became then the Ulster King of Arms and this was a hugely important position in Irish society at that time because you couldn't have a court of arms unless you were entitled to it you had to have a very well documented um, uh, family history to prove that you were descended from someone who was given a court of arms by, by a monarch or whatever you know this idea today of family courts of arms that's not there's no such thing you have to prove to, to legitimately use them yeah. you you had to have um, you had to be descended from someone that was given it and, and this was this was Sir Arthur Vickers' job his position as uh, Ulster King of Arms he was based in Dublin Castle again there's, his name appears in this visitor's book yeah. as well he visited Kilmore a, no, a number of times and there were also other uh, um, important people and from Dublin Castle their names appear in the book as well so he was a, a step. He was a half brother of Pierce Mahoney, the MP. And when um, Vickers Vickers's career as also King of Arms was 
uh, clouded in controversy because he was responsible for keeping the Irish Crown Jewels in the safe in Dublin Castle. And they, when they were stolen in 1907, I think it was, he got the blame for it. Yeah. And uh, the, the Irish Crown Jewels, there was, a, there was an order of knighthood in Ireland and it was called the Order of St. Patrick, the most illustrious Order of St. Patrick. And there was a big grand star full of diamonds and jewels. There was a gold chain, and there was a, there was a, another, uh, there was a badge as well, a collar badge. And the, the Lord Lieutenant of Ireland, the King's representative in Ireland, would have worn these jewels whenever the, the, the knights would have gathered for uh, services or religious services or whatever, investitures or whatever. And um, these were stolen from the case, the, the safe in Dublin Castle. Vickers got the blame, so he retired from public life, and that's how he came here to Kilmorna. His sister lived here. Um, she was she married a Polish uh, count, and her name was Madame Dianas. Oh yeah, I have the name. Yeah, and uh, she was here, and that's how he came here, yeah. uh, Vickers, and he was here then all through the the troubles. Then nineteen in the in, the ni- in nineteen twenty and uh, and twenty one, yeah, and. Um, eventually that's really what happened the host then was um, th- he was burned down it was rumoured that he was giving information to the British military or, or helping the the, the, the the British the authorities and they, they came and he was shot and they burned the house down there's very little left of it um, bar Parnell's tree and that's all it's a relic really isn't it of, of, of all the great people that were here that tree still stands hundred and nearly 30 years after it was planted yeah and it's a fairly big tree and yeah yeah. it's a copper beach that's right yeah and when Parnell visited Kilmorna House we have the the visitor book here with us which he signed when he was here Charles Stuart Parnell September 13th 1891 he signed that when he was here and he planted that tree when he came here yeah yeah so it has a direct link to Charles Stuart Parnell the uncrowned king of Ireland when he came to North Kerry, yeah. he planted that tree. I remember I was about uh, 50 years ago, I just someone come out to me. They gave me good, great money to cut on that tree. Yes, they didn't want, I reckon they didn't want to have Sir Arthur Vickers' tree be still in Kimona. I said what I said to him was, <laughs> there was mother over. I said, if you gave me three times that amount, it wouldn't be cut home. <laughs> And to find out why Sir Arthur Vickers was targeted and shot by the IRA North Kerry Flying Column in 1921, and why the burning down of Kilmorna House. This is all explained to us here by historian Martin Moore. That was McGallivan, and McGallivan was a former uh, British soldier. He fought in the Irish Guards in the, the First World War. And Mick was from Drumbeg on the Bell Longford uh, Road there, out, out in Listowel. And himself and two brothers, Mort and Jack, were very much involved in the volunteers. In April 1921, Mick was part of the North Kerry column that lay in ambush here for a cycle patrol that was coming from Kilmorna House and going back into Listowel, and they were ambushed on this spot. Now, it would seem that... The ambush went badly wrong in that we'll say there was only about seven of the volunteers and they were matched by an equal number of soldiers. And the upshot of it was that while two of the soldiers were wounded, McGalvin was shot dead here. Now others in that in the attacking party that day included the famous footballer Con Brosnan and amongst others. So 
It was as a result of Mick Gallivan's death that I suspect that Arthur Vickers was shot dead uh, some weeks later and his house was burned. That was Kilmorna House. And then we're not too far from in a reprisal and counter-reprisal where the three uh, North Kerry volunteers, Welsh Lines and Dalton, were killed over the road at Porta Glana in May 1921. Two weeks later, Jack Sheehan was killed over in Kyle Bui and we'll visit his cross as well now shortly. And a month later, a man named Keane was shot down here at Shanakul Cross, which is just a turn-off for Nakanur there. That man Keane uh, was suspected of giving information uh, rel- relating to the shooting of the District Inspector O'Sullivan in Listowel in January 1921. And by a cruel twist of fate... Keane's brother was a detective in Dublin Castle charged with investigating the theft of the Irish Crown Jewels when they disappeared in 1907 when they were in the care and custody of Sir Arthur Vickers. So that's the tie up there with Kilmorna between 1907 and 1921. A military party came out under Captain Watson who was in charge of the military in the stall uh, one day to, uh, to Kilmorna House and they used to be entertained here by uh, Sir Arthur and that presumably was a crime in the in, in, in the opinion or the eyes of the, the local volunteers uh, and I would imagine it was just to show that the volunteers meant business to burn down the house sort of thing I've never yet been able to find out who gave the actual order uh, to have Sir Arthur Vickers uh, executed and at the time the volunteers being a military organisation had to take orders so someone had to order it. as far as I know uh, the killing was disowned by the, the volunteers in Tralee and at some stage there was an inquiry into it but the findings of the inquiry were never published Paddy Dean was a member of the North Kerry Flying Column and after the troubles in North Kerry he left for America and only returned once. His brother Tony remembers that time and the discussion in the house about the killing of Arthur Vickers. That column was so well organised. I did so much trouble to the towns of that. They hated it. So we were lucky that we weren't all that burn us out. And would your brother Paddy ever discuss with you uh, what, he, what he got up to, what he was doing? Well, he went to America straight away and he once came home. So I didn't, you know, he was young, so they didn't discuss the gruesome bits with me at all. And so the, the, you, you wouldn't remember uh, the, the time that Arthur Vickers was shot. Do you remember that? I do. I remember that. But I didn't know who shot him. Or I, knew, I remember that very, very well. Oh, that stuck in my memory. Because I discussed it now, so I just thought, you know, into that for a long time. They hated him. He was a hated man, by the call him. By everybody, I think. His tenants at all, you know. There was a lot of men that shot like that. I know that Arthur Vickers was um, certainly entertained the British Army. 
I see. a lot. Yeah. And he had them to hunt and fish and things like that. And he paid the consequences. Mm-hmm. Although afterwards, according to he was exonerated and he was not um, a passing information, mm-hmm. which is what he was shot for. But that's, you know, that's, that's history. Arthur Vickers always used to carry a little statue uh, of, of um, St. Christopher about barely two inches long in a, in a little case in his pocket, which I, in fact, still have. And that, he said, would always protect him, but in the end it didn't. And did it actually protect him at any stage? Well, uh, story the story was that he did. it did protect him initially from somebody who must have tried to do him harm, but in the end he, it didn't work. Okay, and you have that? I have that, yes. And and my father, Lord Emerson was to say he should never have been shot. For a, He had a lot of people working for him, and he was very good to the workers. Don't know. Um, Christmas time, when he'd be giving my bonus, he'd give me big bonus as well for their work. What they were doing, and they, they crashed the river. They, they, was the IRA? Yeah. They crashed the river. They crashed the river below here, and came up here and uh, pulled him out and tied him onto a tree. There was a big old tree there. I remember it. It was out there. Tied, yeah. tied him onto a tree and set fire to the castle first. You know the Kilmore house. Yeah, and they shot him then. So. The circumstances in which it was burned down was that it was a reprisal, as I said earlier on, for the, the shooting of, of Mick Gallivan down the road uh, in April 1921, uh, that the military had been visiting uh, the resident here, Sir Arthur Vickers, and that uh, the IRA took a decision in, in Listole to burn down the house and to execute uh, Sir Arthur Vickers, which... I think it was a bit harsh, really, sort of thing. Supposedly he was given information, but I couldn't see how he would have any information of substance to, to pass on to, to anyone. So I think it's a real uh, travesty that that the nation lost a house as beautiful as uh, 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 as that. Secondly, uh, whatever about the house, the contents of the house, and there's a full listing of the contents of the house uh, around still, because... Sir Arthur took the precaution of having the place insured in the months leading up to it because Ireland at the time was very troubled as you know and there was works by the Renaissance artists such as Durer I know that I've seen something like an engraving of Henry VIII leaving Dover to go to, to France in 1513 and there was countless and invaluable um, artefacts destroyed on, on that day which is the, the real pity See. So you grew up here, Con? Oh, I did, I did. And here then, at that stage then, I remember, um, there was uh, walks, steps up. You go on that much, and you'd walk up three steps. Now go on again, you walk up another three steps and all that. That's the wall garden. Yes. That came up to that. But um, then a piece of there, fall there about a couple of years ago, look, see the gap in it. But it went down as far as the tree. And over there, the green parts of the field, over along and up here along then. Yeah. And there above there, for the trees, there was a, 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 a small door there, so we could walk in there. There was this was a, a noted orchard. Really. Yes. 
many a time we've done stool apples to be young. It's amazing to stand here in a field where there was once a great house where all these famous people came and I'm looking at the, the tree that Parnell planted it's amazing we think of all the storms and the winds and, and uh, the history and the times the, cha- the change that, that that tree has weathered and is still standing here I think that's amazing and I'd love to see that tree propagated and slips of it planted yeah. you know in all public parks around whatever around the county or in Listowel it's definitely something that should be done yeah yeah and preserve it because sadly it's a tree it won't live forever no you're right yeah, yeah. which would be lovely to think that um, there were trees growing in Listowel and wherever else that yeah after the tree that Panel planted when he came to Kilmorna House yeah so yeah well we've come to the end of the story of the visitor's book Kilmorna I hope you enjoyed listening and all these full-length interviews are available on our website that's www.irishlifeandlore.com My name is Morris O'Keefe and I look forward again next week to bringing you another podcast. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.